Welcome to CFO 4.0, the future of finance. The CFO role is changing rapidly, moving from cost controller to strategic visionary. And with every change comes opportunity. We are here to help you take advantage of this transition to win at work, drive your career forwards and lead with confidence. Join Hannah Monroe, Managing Director of ITAS, a financial transformation consultancy, as she interviews key experts to give you real-world advice and guidance on how to transform your processes, people and data. Welcome to CFO 4.0, the future of finance. So hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of CFO 4.0. With me today is Brian Rigby, columnist and regular writer for the Financial Times and author of two books, including The Careerist um, and 28 Exceptional Business Thinkers. So welcome, Rhyma. Wonderful to have you on the show. And thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me on. Brilliant. So tell us a little bit about how you got into um, career, you know, writing about careers and development. What was your journey into that role? Um, I, many, many, many years ago, I started out at Haymarket as a business journalist. I don't know if I was necessarily that interested in business, but I wanted a job in journalism. And, you know, we all have to start somewhere. I have a feeling on the same week, I actually may have applied for a job at somewhere like Smash Hits, so you know it could have, it could have gone another way. Um, but anyway, I, I'm up on management today, not Smash Hits. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, I, I sort of went from there to um, to writing a, for a dot com magazine, which was a, a lot of fun. Um, I then went freelance, and um, I've done a lot of stuff for the FT. The career stuff came particularly out of writing a careers column for the FT. Um, which I don't actually do anymore, as it ended, but um, but did for a number of years. And it was essentially a careers advice column, which was then followed by a sort of working smarter column. And yeah, you know, and, and then the careers column was turned into a book. Um, so yeah, and I've continued to write about careers. Um, I write about careers for an American magazine now. And so yeah, I've, I've basically given quite a lot of thought to you know, how one gets ahead in the workplace and the sort of psychology of workplaces and, and just generally written about work and careers for probably decades now. And and so you talk about it being decades that you've been writing about sort of careers and getting ahead. What what has changed in those few years? Have you seen anything change or is it the same scenario that it was all that time ago? I think in some ways it's quite you know, there, there are, you know, everything is the same and, and, you know, and a lot of things have changed. I mean, I guess in terms of how we work, you know, probably the internet has been the single biggest thing. You know, I just about when I started, email was just coming in. That, that is how old I am. Um, and, and, you know, the idea that I could be you know, sort of video conferencing someone from home was, uh, you know, sort of almost science fiction in the, in the mid-90s when I started working. Um, and when people were still mailing articles in on floppy disks, you know, imagine that. Um, <laughs> I still remember those, to be fair. I had to wave that in front of one of our team and say, do you remember, do you know what this is? It's the same icon, you know. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the sort of digital, the digital change. And then I suppose... More recently, the other thing that's changed is that you really can work anywhere. 
Um, not for all jobs, but for a lot of jobs. I think, you know, the, you know, having worked from home for probably since 2002, back then my job was one of the very few that you really could do remotely. Um, and then sort of around maybe 2010, 2012, I, I became aware that a lot of people in other kind of professional jobs were suddenly working from coffee shops. And, you know, I think there were a number of drivers behind that, you know, some technological, some cultural. Um, and, and that, I think, perhaps the sort of distribution of work is perhaps something that has also changed. And so the principles, so when you talk about the hundred things that people can do to get ahead in work, don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to recite all those hundred things off the top of your head. <laughs> but um, what what of those those principles that you we you know that were there sort of when you first wrote that book? How many of those still apply today? Oh, I think I think a lot of them do. I mean, you know, networking is a good example. I mean. You you still have to network, you know, it's still a lot of, you know, opportunities are brought to you by your network. Um, it's perhaps got easier to do, um, you know, certainly keeping in touch with people is massively easier via things like LinkedIn. But if you want to make quality connections, you probably still have to spend time with people. I mean, you know, arguably less so over the last year, but, um, but, but, you know, still people you have worked with and, you know, working with a variety of people in a variety of organisations and, and, you know, making those contacts is one of the most important ways of getting ahead. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, that's a that's a good example of something that has changed, but is, but is also essentially the same and probably in some ways is, you know, the same as it was 500 years ago. Um, you know, having a having a sort of network of people is a, is a huge way of, of getting ahead. Um, you know, possibly at sort of courts in Elizabethan England. <laughs> um. <laughs> Absolutely, and and in terms of those networks, when you know when you talk about networking, is that peer networking? Is that networking with um, other individuals in a in a sort of a similar role? Is that within the organisation, or does does it encompass lots of different elements? I, I think you know networking is yeah absolutely lots of different elements. So I mean you know yes of course you. You network with people, you know, you, you network naturally with the person who sits at the desk next to you, or you will when you're back in the office sitting next at a desk next to you. But, you know, I, by doing this interview, you know, you will now know me. And, you know, who knows, perhaps in three years time, you might ask me for a favour or I might ask you for a favour. And, and, you know, hopefully uh, we will remember each other um, in a positive way. Um but I guess, you know, one of this is actually one of the great advantages of being in the office is that you bump into people who are not immediately to do with, you know, whatever task you happen to be doing. And there's those sort of serendipitous meetings in corridors. And, yeah, you will often meet people who you just kind of like, um, who will be somewhere else in the organisation, but perhaps who will also bring opportunities your way. And I think this is a huge you know, thing for the office. You just, that's very, very hard to replicate remotely. Um, and it's particularly hard for younger people um, because someone my age, you know, has done a lot of networking. So I have a lot of what is, you know, called social capital built up. I I have a network of dozens and dozens of people I've bought with, you know, I've worked with. But if I'm 25, I don't. Um, and, you know, and that is why, you know, for some reason, you know, going back to the office might actually be more of an advantage for younger people than it is for older people. 
And and I guess that's the interesting shift, isn't it? You know, is, is there anything that those that are perhaps in that younger generation can do to 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 replicate or or create that networking event from home, or is it literally they just need to get back into the office as quickly as they can? Um, I think you can, particularly. I mean, we've seen quite a lot of you know of people basically replicating networking. Um, at home and you know the, the classic is uh i'm on a zoom meeting it's incredibly boring and i'm actually whatsapping someone <laughs> slightly out of sight of the camera and you have a sort of <laughs> going on in the meeting with someone going oh my god this is so boring will he ever shut up um, <laughs> um but I, I think what is quite hard and what's actually very hard to and, and that's actually I suppose that's good in some ways because, you know, if you have someone who is, you know, a friend, you're sharing that sort of informal intelligence, um, you know, gossiping a bit. But what's really difficult to replicate is, um, is number one, is meeting people for no good reason. Because if I'm going to email you or call you, I need, you know, there's a sort of barrier, there's a hurdle I have to clear. There has to be some reason for me to call you, whereas if I bump into you in the corridor, we might just start chatting. And that that is very, very difficult to replicate, I think. And also meeting new people is, is much, much harder. Um, so yeah, you can do some things. And do you think the onus falls on the team managers and the team leaders to be aware of this and find opportunities to help perhaps their junior staff find those individuals and create opportunities to network and to build relationships? Yes, although, I mean, I guess some of it is how much you regard this as a temporary situation and how much you regard it as the new normal. If if perhaps you expect everyone to be back in the office in six months, you might think, well, why bother? Um, if, however, you expect half the team to be working from home, then perhaps, yes, the onus on you is is to do that a little so, so I, I guess, so apart from networking, um, which is obviously a key element, what other, um, is there any other um, factors in terms of getting ahead that have been affected by COVID in particular? Um, I, I guess just the, uh, one, one interesting thing I think is how, how technology has been taken up and people have sort of changed their roles around technology um, I mean, you've seen this, you know, meetings are very different. Um, and the classic was, you know, the, the sort of person who rather liked uh, the sound of their own voice and dominated meetings. And I think that is rather harder to do on Zoom. Uh, and perhaps that has been, you know, Zoom in some ways as, or whatever Teams or whatever it is you use has been somewhat better for people who are, you know, perhaps a little more, a little more retiring and a little less likely to sort of confidently put themselves forward um, I'm sure you are thinking of men here and I'm thinking of men too when I say it you know the, the confident bloke who will not shut up despite having nothing valuable to say um, but yeah so so yes I, I think it, it has changed um, it's perhaps made um, in some jobs I think it's it's made people's contributions more visible which is good you know if you you know, it's, you are sort of measured perhaps a bit more on the work you do. Um, that said, I mean, I think Zoom meetings are pretty difficult. I don't think they're a great substitute for being in in a room with people. Um, 
And actually, I think the worst of all worlds is where you have four people in a room and four people on Zoom, because then you really, the people on Zoom really are second class citizens. They can't read the body language. They can't sort of pick up on the, you know, the little verbal stuff and sort of someone rolling their eyes or whatever. It's, it's much harder to do. Um, and I'm not a fan of, I'm not a fan of mixed meetings. I, th- I think they, they're, they're rather dysfunctional. Yeah, it does tend to be dominating. The, the audio quality as well sometimes with mixed meetings can be quite challenging, can't it? So, yeah, and, and Zoom calls are exhausting. They're, uh, you know, you don't, you know, you, you, you don't make proper eye contact. Um, you're often looking at yourself in the corner, um, so you're quite self-conscious. Um, there's also, I remember speaking to a psychologist who said you're, you know, you're, you're sort of looking you're almost up in someone's face in a ready-to-fight position, which is quite a, you know, it's, it's almost slightly aggressive, you know, having someone up in your face like that. And it, and it tires you out. I, yes, I don't, I don't think they're brilliant. Um, and also, people use them when phone calls are just as good. It's sort of, why, why would I want to do a video call when I could have a five-minute chat on the phone? It's, it's really weird. <laughs> <laughs> that is, and but I must admit, it's, um, it's this, quite. By the way, it's just uh, no. <laughs> um, it's just that people... For those listening, we are actually on video at the same time as we're speaking. To be fair, yeah. <laughs> um, so, so I guess that there is an interesting concept, isn't there, about when when we have the opportunity to to go back to work and people have more options what that means in terms of managing remote meetings and how to structure that well um because that, that i guess that can be quite a challenge because there's certainly a lot of the conversations that i'm having with finance teams is that actually this is an opportunity for flex so to, um, because all of the systems are shifting into the cloud and access remotely that's something that a lot more people are looking to pick up so how, how can one manage a remote team effectively in those scenarios where your team is split in between an office and, you know, and uh, working from home? Um, I mean, I guess I think the ideal thing is probably that you are, I know a lot of people would love to work from home forever, five days a week, but I actually think the ideal thing is probably being in the office at least two days a week, maybe three. Um because I think you, you know, that you maintain a connectivity and a visibility, particularly if you want to get ahead, um, that is impossible to maintain if you are remote, unless your company is majority remote. Um, if you're talking about a standard company where most of the people are in the office some of the time, I think if you want to get ahead, you probably need to be in the office some of the time. Um, how do managers, I mean, managers absolutely should do everything, you know, to ensure that people who are more remote uh, get opportunities brought to them. But being realistic, I think if a sort of mostly remote person is up against a mostly present person, the mostly present person is probably likelier to get the promotion. And that's kind of just the way things are. Unless, as I say, it's a company where 85% of the workforce is remote, in which case it's a completely different kettle of fish. Because there is something to be said, isn't there, for the for the relationships driving decisions. As much as yeah. you like to be impartial, if you spend time with somebody in an office day to day and you see them regularly, like you say, you chat by 
the well in our in our place it's the it's the, it's the kettle it's not the water cooler but uh um if you're you're spending that time with an individual then it it there is there is no um comparison to meeting somebody face to face in that scenario no i mean there's just you know i if i'm sitting if you're my boss and i'm sitting 5 minute 5 5 meters from you if i have something to ask you i just go to you and ask you or you know, or if something occurs to me you that you need to speak to me about, you just come and talk to me and our and our relationship is better for it. And and I'm probably more effective and productive for it, I think. Well certainly in your eyes. Um simply because I so say you don't have to go through the effort of picking up the phone and then possibly leaving a message and you know, all that all that stuff. I, I am a more effective worker. So yeah, and as I say, I think I think it's really good for me, probably to be at home maybe a couple of days a week. And that means I can do things like, you know, writing reports, the kind of things that require a lot of concentration um, and are effectively almost piecework, work really well remotely. But I think a lot of teams-based work is more effective when the team is together. Absolutely. And I guess it's the nice thing about the flexible work and it gives you that balance between like you say, the piecework or the concentration focused work um, and, you know, and the option to, to work and communicate. Um, so it's quite interesting. I was literally talking to um, Nikki Heim, um, a CFO last week about one of the interesting topics she raised is that one of the nice things about COVID is it it's raised awareness that people don't always work nine to five. So mum's coming back into work um, that their work has been over COVID more visible because people are watching for the output rather than the the time spent in the office. Um, do you do you think that's going to do you you know in your opinion because we I don't think any of us has a crystal ball. But what do you think about the scenario of going back into the office? Do you think majority of businesses are going to go back to the way things were, or do you think there's going to be a shift in how how things are going to work moving forwards? My uh... <laughs> My, my, dead, my dreadfully evasive answer is I, I think the the, <laughs> the scenario will please neither the work-from-home utopians nor the get-back-to-work crowd. <laughs> yeah. and, and in that respect, it will probably be a reasonable compromise. <laughs> um, I think what's quite cool is it's, it's made certainly industries that had terrible presenteeism, law springs to mind, um, are... It has made people aware that a lot of those jobs actually can be done quite effectively remotely. You know, there are whole industries where the culture is one of you have to be in the office. And I think it's been really, really positive there. Um, I also think it's great for people to maybe work a couple of days at home, you know, because it means they can, you know, they don't have a commute on those days. They have more time with their families. They're happier. They're more chilled out. Um, and, you know, and they, they can spend more time with their families. They can get they can get personal stuff done, and, and it just yeah, it definitely makes them more efficient. Um, do I? But do I think working from home all the time is very is works for everyone? Probably not, because I just especially teams based work. I think it's quite it's quite tough. For. Um, I mean, I always think of my own what I what I do, which is basically writing stuff. And the reason it's one of the few jobs that's been very amenable to working from home, you know, before even really the internet, is because 
you have a piece of output that I can be judged 100% on. But most jobs aren't like that. Um, you know, everyone I know who's, I know, you know, I've got a friend who lives in Spain and again has done it for over 10 years, um, but he's a copywriter. So, you know, he has literally judged on what he writes. Um, but it's it's not a it's not a model for work. It's not a model that really works that well for teams. That is five days a week, you know, 52 weeks a year from home. And I think that's a challenge. It's not actually the fact that work's being done from home. It's the how do you measure the output of an individual and the productivity, I think, has always has been the challenge for a lot of um, companies in terms of actually figuring out, you know, what is, what is have, are they doing well at their job? Are they, you know, are they doing what they're supposed to be doing? Um, and I guess it, that's quite challenging to do um, in terms of, you know, with, with a remote team anyway, unless it's exactly, as you said, it's, it's piece-based work with a, a clear outcome. Yeah. I mean, you know, how, how, I mean, I guess the, you know, I think we are getting somewhat better at measuring output in a sort of techie way, although we're a long way from really being there. But I mean, how do you measure, you know, you have these people who sort of form social glue in teams and how, how do you measure the value of, someone who's a great person to have around and just everyone seems to work better when they're there and we kind of all know people like that and that's impossible to measure um or you know it's impossible for that value to be brought to a remote situation or very difficult to it i think i think that's a really interesting point because there is also a point about as managers you you can see things before they're happening if you're in the office you know, you can see things developing. You can sense when somebody's having a good day, a bad day, etc. And that becomes in- so much more challenging um, when you know when you're working remotely. Um, so h- how how can we you know combat that in that in that era of flexible working? Is it you know is it just regular check-ins? What, you know, what sort of strategies are being talked about to manage it? I think yeah, we, we regular regular check-ins are one way. Um, I, I mean, again, it's sort of. I think if you are working, you know, three days a week in the office, it's probably okay. And it sort of only becomes a real issue if you are remote permanently, where you know you don't know that, say, two members of your team absolutely hate each other's guts. Whereas if they were sitting next to each other, it would be completely apparent to you. Um, so yeah, I think I think it. You know, if Again, it's the argument for flexible working rather than fully remote working. Um, but I dare say some companies are going to try fully remote working. Uh, and it will be really interesting to see, you know, how they make it work and if they can make it work. Um, I don't know, perhaps they can, but, um, but, you know, again, it will be interesting to see and how they compare to companies which are operating a more uh, a more sort of mixed model. Um and then I think you get into all sorts of interesting things like, you know, I think we we may have sort of alluded to this earlier, but if I'm, you know, if I have a London waiting in my salary and I decide I want to move to Northumberland, you know, maybe I shouldn't get that, Northumberland, that London waiting anymore. If I don't get the London waiting in Northumberland, it's my sort of dream of being a rich person in Northumberland as great as I thought it would be. That's an interesting point, isn't it? 
because salaries and uh, they really do change from sort of area to area. So, you know, how, how do people, how do, biz, how, how do bosses know what the average wage is for that individual? Yeah, I mean, I think I have a feeling that um, Mark Zuckerberg said something like this about Facebook. He said, you know, I will offer everyone the the opportunity, and this was probably about a year ago, perhaps, I will offer everyone the opportunity to work remotely but at some point, um, your salary is going to be adjusted so that, you know, if you're working up the coast in, I think it's Eureka in California, which is a pretty cheap town, you're not paid a San Francisco salary. Um, and I don't, you know, is that reasonable? I, I don't know. I mean, a lot of people would say, well, you know, it's the work I do. I should be paid the same. And, but then a lot of other people would say, you know, if you started a company in a cheap town in Northern California, you wouldn't be paying these San Francisco salaries in the first place. Um, so, yeah, you know, I I can kind of see it both ways. And I, I think it's quite interesting. Um, and I rather suspect that, you know, a lot of companies will be saying, you know, if you want to live in the Orkney Islands, great. Um, but you're not as functional for me as someone who lives near our headquarters in Reading because you can't attend meetings easily. Um, and you know, your salary will, you know, and, and your cost of living is lower and your salary will reflect that. And yeah, I, I could sort of see perhaps the the argument for it. I mean, I think what's quite interesting is the reason that this hasn't really been an issue until now is because although quite a lot of people have done a bit of work from home, the number of people who've really worked from home full time or worked from home hundreds of miles from the corporate base is actually has actually been really low until COVID. So, you know, it was a small percentage. I can't I can't remember. I think it might have been about sort of three or five percent of the workforce. So companies didn't really have to think about it, but but now they will. I think there's an interesting piece in that how that will play in the wider economy as well, because we talk in the UK about the North and South divide. Um, and about how a lot of the jobs and the wealth is concentrated in London. Um, it could be quite interesting to understand if that shift in terms of salaries and remote working actually starts to, you know, divide, you know, spread the wealth a bit more across across the wider UK, and whether that has an impact in terms of where ch- ch- people choose to live. And I guess it depends on the policies, doesn't it, that employers put forwards in that you know if you are living in London there's a London waiting but what if you live in the surrounding areas in Surrey etc versus where you know where I live which is the glorious North Wales um you know what would that mean in terms you know how does that compare and is it is it that individual's choice as to where they sit or is that something that the you know the I guess the business needs to take into account yeah no I think it's it's it is really it's really interesting and it's sort of it's sort of all to play for at the moment. Um, and there's also, you know, the whole thing about commuting, the, the time involved in commuting, the the cost involved in commuting. Um, you know, I was reading quite an interesting piece in the FT written by a guy who lives in New York. And, you know, he said this is very much up in the air at the moment. And he said eventually, like all revolutions, it will be crushed or co-opted. Um, but commuters have a bit of power at the moment and, and they should exercise it. 
Yeah, that's an interesting. I, I, I um, certainly when I've because I obviously work doing what we do, we work with a lot of London-based companies, and it's quite interesting to hear their thoughts on going back to commuting in on the tube and public transport. And there is a general dismay about having to get back into those crowded trains, and you know that forty-five minute to an hour shift into to, to London in the morning. That, that that's not something people I don't think are excited about getting getting back into to be fair yeah no it is an interesting but then would but then are i guess also the question is also sort of you know and and yes you're right you could particularly if you're working from home you might say well i'm going to live in hitchin in hertfordshire where i can afford a reasonable size house for the price of a sort of flat in hackney um and i'm good you know and and have some work from home space um but I guess, you know, the other question is what is is living in Hitchin the same as living in Hackney? Um, you know, having lived in both, I would argue that no. So, you know, are there are there other there are other reasons clearly to live in London, um, when things reopen, like you know, sort of restaurants and culture and all that type of stuff. So you have people perhaps clustering in cities, you know, maybe for more the cultural opportunities than the than the employment ones, which is Certainly, a very interesting. Um, you know, you, you live in Hackney because it's cool, not because it's close to you, not because you know you can cycle to your job in twenty minutes, um, which I think is is quite interesting as well. Um, and how you know it's potential to yeah, like you say, re, potentially remake cities. Or although again, perhaps not not as much as we think. Um, so yeah. London's an interesting one because there's a lot of office space, isn't there, in London? So it might be interesting to understand whether there's more, there could be more of a residential vibe in London and the, those finance centres. Because if you think about Canary Wharf, it, it's it's dead after, you know, sort of night. You know, it depends when Friday night drinks finish, but <laughs> um, after you know after a certain time. So it might be quite interesting to understand whether you know London and cities will go back to that that resident have more of a residential feel rather than just being a work environment yeah i think you you could potentially see i don't know how much but some amounts of office space particularly in, as you say areas like the square mile and canary wharf um turned back into residential space or canary wharf turned into residential space in the first place um i don't know is is canary wharf a, a compelling place to live um with, without without as much you know banking in it i it could be, it could be reinvented. Um, yeah, no, it's it's a very interesting question. Um, and then actually going back to what you were saying about um, uh, about getting ahead, um, this is just sort of made me randomly think about this. That I think you might wind up with companies who rather cynically say, you know, yeah, yes, all employees are equal, but if you really want to get ahead. You have to join, you know, you are expected to be in at least three days a week. And if not, you wind up on some sort of slow track where you're always told that you have the same opportunities um, as people who are, you know, who are in regularly, but you don't really. Um, And, you know, we see companies do this in any number of ways already. Um, So I, I, I think that's that's another possibility. And I think particularly in some industries, you will get to a critical mass where everybody who really wants, you know, everybody who is very ambitious is in the office. And then I think 
you know, for most people, it might become rather impossible not to be in the office. Uh, I'm offering no judgment on it's probably not a good thing, but, you know, sort of work is not a democracy. There's a realism, isn't there? Exactly. You know, you have to be, you know, realistic about how companies operate, um, particularly companies with a sort of get-ahead culture. And for those for those that are sort of listening to this podcast and thinking, gosh, you know, that's one, you know, networking, um, I need to be in the office or make myself known, potentially build those relationships. What else, um, you know, should those listeners be thinking about if they're looking to step up that finance ladder to take the next step into the, the next level of role? What, what advice would you give them that they should be thinking about, particularly in this, you know, this current, this current climate and current scenario? I think in the current climate, one one thing that's quite interesting is sort of thinking about how you make yourself visible. Um, and I think we have seen quite a few people who, you know, typically on social media is a really good example, you know, have, and in fact, lawyer, lawyers do this incredibly well, but I dare say there are people in finance who do it well, but, you know, who, who sort of almost become better known for for their sort of social media profile um, than they do for whatever it is they do as a job. And that's probably a sort of slightly extreme example where you become the great commentator on Brexit or whatever, because you have, you know, there's Lord David Allen Green who did that, and also sort of the secret barrister, and some doctors do it as well. Um, So I I think, you know, there have been a number of sort of non-physical ways of really getting your name known. and also, you know, sort of contributing to uh, blogs, podcasts, um, you know, publishing stuff on LinkedIn. Just, you know, you, you sort of have to you have to get your get your face around typically using digital channels at the moment. Um, and, and I think, yeah, I think and the good thing is it's quite it's quite egalitarian. And, and you know, if you have a bit of confidence, it, it's quite easy to do, I think, um, you know, even if you are in, in the Orkneys or wherever it is. No, absolutely. And and for those that are listening and are interested in exploring the development, because I, I do think it's a, a piece where those in finance don't not normally think as much about their personal brand as potentially they could. No, I don't think they do. And they may also be, some of them are somewhat restricted, aren't they, because of, because of regulations and stuff. But, but not all, but I think, you know, there are, there are plenty who can. But yes, I think finance is has been quite sort of hierarchical and structured and you know you you sort of get ahead almost as a function of doing the job but yeah you're right I, I think you know given if you can't you know if you can't sort of network with important people in the office you have to find other ways of doing it um and perhaps that is you know on social media or something like that you know become the secret account become the secret accountant <laughs> <laughs> I love that, the secret accountant. Oh, you know, the hidden FD or something like that. <laughs> Undercover FD. There you go. But um, no, there's some great... Uh, um, I, I won't comment on your choice of uh, of nomenclature and titles there, Roma. Um, but there's definitely a bit, a lot to be said for personal brands. So for anyone that is like interested in exploring that more, just as a note, um, we did a great part- podcast. I think it was quite... Um, 
quite a few months ago, I think it's about six months ago with um, Amelia from Clouds. So if you are if you are listening and you're interested in exploring personal brand, um, she's got some great tips for getting that started, particularly with LinkedIn, because you, you're 100% right, Reimer. It's, it's a big piece and it's, it's one that I think finance, especially with the shift in their roles from, you know, uh, what's the word, from data entry into data analyst. You know, that, that shift in that role um, gives you way more opportunity. Um, and you know, it's much more advantageous to be seen you know, across the company um, and positioning yourself in that way as well. So that's um, great. What else? What other tips do you have for our listeners in terms of getting ahead? Well, I, I was actually just thinking when you, when you spoke about a shift, uh, you, you know, we, we've had one huge shift, which, of course, was, you know, everybody sort of going home in the space of about three weeks. Um, and we're going to have another huge shift, which is going to be people going back to work. And just, you know, as they say, you know, never waste a crisis. It's, I mean, it's not quite a crisis, but, but you know, chaos is when moments of huge change are often where there are big opportunities. And, you know, for goodness sake, put yourself forward for things. If there's something you want to do, often, you know, if you have sort of 5,000 people returning to your office, there's going to be a lot of chaos and people are just going to say, we need someone to do X. So, so put yourself forward and, you know, make make yourself visible, whether it's digitally or perhaps physically, if, you know, people are really starting to go back. Um, and so there, there will be a lot of opportunities as, you know, while things settle down. Um, and, and I think, you know, we've seen this a lot with, you know, digital disruption. Whenever there is disruption, of, of any kind, there are opportunities, and, and I suspect the return to work will be one of these, um, where you know, find find something you no one else is doing, make yourself useful, and do it, and you know, just a chance to sort of almost kind of be a bit of a pioneer and sort of stake out your claim on something that has opened up. As I say, just because five thousand people have gone back to an office, there's there's going to be opportunities there. And and not everyone will be going back and not everyone will be going back to the same roles. So again, you know, it's it's all going to be very fluid for a while. Um, and, and I think, yeah, you know, you be, be alert to opportunities and, you know, be, be on the lookout for them. Absolutely. And, and put yourself forward. Make sure your boss knows, you know, or your boss's boss. I, I think that's a, that's a really good shout there. So making, you know, not just off, you know, I guess, not just waiting to stick your hand up, but directly speaking and engaging with your 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 line manager and, like you say, your boss's boss, to to make sure that they they can they've got you in mind when they're you know when they need something doing. Yeah, and also you know volunteer for things, um, whether it is or and you know they'll probably will you know make make sure people know that you are you know, you're interested in doing these things. I mean, you just go up to your boss and say, I, I know there'll be a lot of changes. If there are any interesting new opportunities, I, you know, you don't say, I, I'm sick of you and I want to leave you. Just say, I'm expanding my role or whatever other euphemisms people use. Or, I want to do something different. Um, but I mean, you know, I suspect, you know, there'll probably be sort of international opportunities. There'll, there'll be a lot and, and a lot of areas that perhaps have shrunken um, particularly in, in certain industries, particularly in stuff like entertainment, will suddenly grow very, very quickly. Um, and some people who have been shared will never come back. So again, there will be probably a lot of opportunities in some areas. 
Absolutely. So I'm very aware that we have been chatting about uh, remote working and careers for the last 14 minutes nonstop. So, um, and, uh, so, so in terms of our listeners and our audience, so what are your final thoughts? What, in order to get ahead in finance, to get that step up the ladder, what are the, the sort of the top three things that you think they should be doing right now to get themselves into that right position? Um, I guess, you know, right now we are mostly still working remotely. So, you know, you, you want to sort of be bringing your, your remote A game, which is, you know, sort of digital visibility, um, you know, being as useful as you can, delivering and, and sort of thinking, still thinking about ways you can deliver some of what perhaps was lost in, by going remotely. Um, and then I guess... Next, you want to be thinking about going back. Um, you want to be thinking about opportunities when you go back, what, what is going to change, uh, and possibly even thinking about, you know, looking for career opportunities, perhaps even at other companies. Um, because, as I say, it's, it's going to be a time of enormous flux um, going back. And, yeah, um, you know, there, there will be opportunities for people who put themselves forward. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Raima. It's been fantastic to to have you on the show. And, you know, if people want to find out more about your, you know, your articles, your work for the Financial Times, or to, to find out more about your your, your books, where, where's the best place to, to find that out? So, so you, you can type my name into Google because there's only one of me. <laughs> it's a very unique name. You can get my books on Amazon or good bookshops. Um, and then, yes, I, I've written a lot for the FT um, and uh, some stuff for the Times. So again, just type my first name and last name into their search engines and, uh, and you'll find me. <laughs> Absolutely. Of course. <laughs> of course, of course. And it, yes, you're right. It is a very unique, uh, a very unique name. So thank you so much, Raima, for joining us on the show today. I really appreciate your feedback. And yes. Um, for all of our listeners out there, some great tips to take away in terms of thinking about not only your teams, but also your career and how you're perceived and how, you know, how you can get away, get ahead and perhaps take advantage of the, the current situation to get that next step up the ladder. So thank you, Raima. Thank you very much for having me on.